Welcome to Shemika Conmigo with me, your hostess, La Zambiana. Thanks for stopping by and I hope you enjoy today's episode. 1,000 awesome Zambians. Hi, Ingutu here, host of Bulela Podcast. In this episode of Shemika Conmigo, I'm sitting down with Ngosa Chungu, who's going to share with us about her journey of being a filmmaker. She's famous for having worked on um, a team, the story of the Chipolo Polo, the Zambia national football team. And this episode is divided into two. So here is part one. Enjoy. Gosa, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you. How are you? Okay. Attempt number three and we hope final one. Okay. So thank you for <laughs> Thank you for making the time to chat with me here on Shimika Conmigo on my podcast, Bulela Podcast. I've just seen your tweet and I'm just about to reply, but I think I'll wait for the reply till the end when we finish, okay? Um, Gosa, could you please tell us, okay? I feel terrible because it's like the third time I'm asking you this already this afternoon. Could you tell us um, who is Ngosa Chungu? Give us a brief intro, um, so people get to know you, just in case they don't already know you. There are always people who will not know you and don't worry about like having to ask me to do this. I'm so used to like, you know, technical glitches and, and things. This is a part of life. The point is we will get there. Um, yes. So <laughs> really, um, I'm, uh, I'm a work in progress. I always think there is um, always room to learn and grow. And yes. I believe that the the best way to do that is through story. Um, oh. And so in, in collecting stories, in making stories, in leaving stories behind, I think that's really what defines life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, a brief synopsis of my life. Um, I spent the first 18 years of my life back and forth between Zambia, England and Kenya. And yeah. then spent my 20s collecting degrees from Stanford, the London School of Economics and the University of California. And in between that, worked in Silicon Valley, um, created the Leadership African Studies and Entrepreneurship um, Program at the African Leadership Academy in South Africa, um, Mm -hmm. interned at the BBC and also in Hollywood. Um, And then after my degrees, got a job at the Global Fund to fight AIDS, tuberculosis and malaria and was just feeling very unfulfilled. Even though everyone around me was like, oh, look at Ngosa's life, she's so successful. I really didn't think so. I didn't feel it. I didn't like my job. I was really cold. (laughs) And (laughs) literally, I I froze to death. Um, I don't do cold. Like, I can't even handle the Zambian cold. You know, I'm that person who's like dressed in a coat, scarf, (laughs) woolly socks, (laughs) you name it. Right, Right now I'm in tights already and it's April. (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I don't do cold so I I literally almost died in in Switzerland I was just like this is not life this is not how to live Mm -hmm. and so decided to return to Zambia um and sort of um uh, research the media scene and and see how I could become a filmmaker um and then you know at the time uh there was the draw for AFCON 2012 and mm-hmm. knowing the history, I uh, thought it was very interesting that the only way we were playing Gabon would be in the final. Um, yeah. And the story is very close to my family because my dad was Zambian school footballer of the year 1972 when that was a thing. 
And then yes. he started training with a team that would then qualify and then make the final for the first time in 1974. But then he yeah. got scholarships to go to school. Uh-huh. So he started the trend of the three degrees out there in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so just following him, his footsteps in that, but then decided to follow his footsteps in, in, in football, but in another way. Uh-huh. And he knew everybody on the plane uh, that died oh. in, in 1993. So that's a very vivid memory because he was absolutely devastated. Um, yeah. We were in Kenya at yeah. the time. I remember it so clearly. I remember sitting on the floor in the TV room um, watching the funeral, um, you know, it's 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 a very uh, it's a very big moment in mm-hmm. in our lives, as it is for many Zambians. Um, yeah. So then, you know, when Afcon twenty twelve was actually happening, you know, seeing how we're moving through, I was like, wow, is this really happening? Because this is like the perfect movie script. But I was like, you know what? Getting through Ghana and then meeting Ivory Coast in the final. I mean, this this is a fairy tale. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. I know. I know. Like, yeah. You know, but it was nail-biting stuff, you know. I, but, you know, the, like um, Christopher Katonko uh, says in the film I then made, you know, after they, you know, they drew with uh, Senegal, they were like, you know what, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can do this, you know, in the qualifying, mm-hmm. you know, in the round-robin stage. Um, so yes. when we got to, you know, the semifinals and, you know, it's a drawn game, I was like, you know what, uh, I don't know. But then Mayuka comes on the 62nd minute, within a minute, 63rd minute he scores I'm like yeah. oh my gosh we could really make it to the final and then we yeah. make it to the final I'm like regardless of the outcome right this is a story that needs to be told because at least we got to playing Gabon on our, our heroes this was so unlikely and yet we managed to do it and then we won oh my god there is no way that anybody else can tell this story but a Zambian and that Zambian is me and I'm going to do everything that I can and use every connection that I have in order to, uh, you know, tell this story. And so yeah. I got my, my dad to uh, get me a meeting with Kalusha Walia after the team returned to Zambia yeah. and he's like, young lady, I mean, I know your father, I know your family, I know you guys are go-getters, but like, you know, people have even been saying they're going to tell the story of the 1993 Gabon air disaster and we haven't even seen that. <laughs> and yeah. that's almost 20 years, right? So what are you going to do? And I was like, you know what, sir? I'm going to tell this story and I'm going to deliver it in two years. That was 2012. 2014, wow. what happened? I delivered. Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, I don't know to be quite honest but um yeah and you know also at the same as I was making the film I also got a job tv presenting uh for today's yeah. Zamta, uh the history culture and natural beauty um uh, portions of the show and got to travel all around Zambia and just you know fell in love on another level I mean I'd always loved Zambia I always oriented everything that I could no matter where I was in the world and no matter what I was learning somehow to Zambia mm-hmm. but then you know able to really travel around and go to places that I had to, hadn't been uh, before really just took my love to another level. And I was just like, you know what? We are so blessed. I'm telling you to be a Zambian is to be blessed. I've been all around the world, but I have not seen the things that I have seen in Zambia. We have a beautiful country. We are so, so lucky. I don't even think we quite appreciate just how beautiful and diverse you know, our country is not only in terms of landscape, but in terms of people, in terms of culture, in terms of food. I mean, you name it, we tick all the boxes. We are, we, yeah, I can't swear, we are the, you know, the, the poop emoji. 
yes, we, we, we are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. And I am, I am so grateful, you know, that, you know, your story isn't just of, yes, a young Zambian woman who's working in the industry that we're about to talk about and delve in some more. Um, but, you know, you, you have touched on elements of Zambian history and culture, which is our love for football. And you are, you, you are involved in telling such an integral part of this history. So first of all, kudos on that. If I haven't said it before, you know, in other scenarios, I'm going to say it on my podcast. This woman is on my podcast precisely because of what she's just told us. Okay. The, the storytelling, the Chipolo Polo, ETC, and we're going to learn some more now. Okay. Thanks for that, Gosa. Um, no, thank you. Thank you. You have actually been like one of the people who has been, uh, you know, such a support, um, you know, so I'd, I'd really like to thank you for believing in me and continuing to believe in me and, and supporting the film, you know, uh, sharing the link online, talking about it, you know, especially, yeah. you know, when anniversaries come up and stuff. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. No, no, it's important to talk about it because there are people who are stuck in the mentality that there's nothing good out of Zambia. So this is why your story on my platform and your movie, wherever it is online that people can get it, is also important, okay? These are important stories, okay? You often refer to yourself as a storyteller. And you have, you said you're, you're a filmmaker and, you know, one way of, of, of living life is to telling stories. Where and when did your journey as a storyteller begin? <laughs> to be quite honest I think I've, I've always been a storyteller and didn't really know it you know from like when I was a kid and I used to recount to my cousins things that I'd seen on tv or <laughs> like stories that I've read I love to read you know pretty much you know I I was that kid that got away with not having to like do stuff because I love to read because they'd be like oh no she's in a corner reading she's fine <laughs> you know <laughs> So, um, yeah, and, and just, you know, with my younger sister, I used to, you know, create these worlds. Um, and I didn't realize that, like, you know, that's really what a producer does. You know, you 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 find all the things that you need to create this world and create a, a story. And so when we'd be playing, you know, I, you know, our room would turn into all sorts of different things. Or when we were chucked outside and told, you, you know, you're, you're not allowed inside until this time. I don't even know if kids still get that. Kids nowadays, I think, seem to be inside on tablets all day, every day. Some of us, they would chuck us out and lock the door and even shut the windows because they knew we could climb through. <laughs> and so we'd be, yeah, see, see my life, see my life. I, but you know what? Parents need time out too. They just need time to themselves. I totally get it. Why, yeah. that, why we were so naughty and would climb through the windows beyond me. Anyways. Um, you know so we just find ways to like you know create worlds in the garden you know with yeah. whatever toys we had you know uh, travel around the neighborhood on our bikes whatever and yeah. stuff um, and and just found that like it was a place where um, I could really express myself a lot of people tend to think that I'm a really confident person but actually mm -hmm. if you pay attention to the way that I present myself I usually start with some sort of story like I I can't just like launch into like conversation or like present myself the way some people can like I yeah. take a time I take time to wind up and then usually like it'll be through some sort of story or connection with someone that I will then you know be able to sort of um reveal um myself 
Um, and then I, you know, I, I participated in an activity play here in Zambia at Mkwazi. And ah. I was, a, um, and if you, if you know anything like just about, you know, being a girl, being in Zambia, we're pretty conservative. You know that like the most coveted role is Mary, right? Yes. And the thing is, even when I was a kid, knowing a narrator is genderless. Like the narrator, like it, it's not even about like whether you're like a, a boy or a girl, you're just kind yeah. of a thing. And so initially I was pretty depressed about it. I was like, wow. Like, cause at that point already um, I was pretty androgynous and I grew up in uh, a gender creative um, family. So like gender norms weren't um, enforced. You know, if you yeah. wanted to wear shorts, you could wear shorts. If you wanted to play football, I'd go with my dad like every weekend with my own football. And, you know, he told me if the boys tell you you can't play football, tell them that like my father says you're stupid to think like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. I could already feel that I could already feel that weight and that I didn't read as a typical girl. Mm-hmm. And even though I didn't necessarily want to register like that, like you still as a kid, you're like, well, why, why don't you, you know, you're asking those questions. Why don't I, and why do people want me to be this way? Um, yeah. But then, you know, my parents were like, do you know what power you have as the narrator? You get to tell this story. And yes, people may know the story of uh, the nativity, but you get to like, you know, bring new life to it. You get to show them a different way. And, you know, I was a really good reader. So I wasn't learning my lines because I had this huge scroll that was, and I was a tiny person, still am. Uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just reading off it. And my father was like, don't be lazy. Learn the words. And you yeah. know what? Pretend you're reading from the scroll, but connect to the audience. Yeah. The important moments, really let them know what, you know, why they should be paying attention, why it's mm-hmm. important you know, the, uh, to know about the nativity. And I tell you, like, it, we got to do it at the Playhouse when it was in its prime, you know, pristine, beautiful, you know, back in the day when KK was, you know, really uh, into the arts and made sure yes. that, like, there were spaces for that and uh, they were well taken care of. And the Playhouse was run by government and it was kept really, really well. Yeah. I have, I have never felt what I, I, what I felt on that, that stage before. It was like this energy and... I could tell that like people were really paying attention to what I was saying and that what I was doing was important. And at the end of it, you know, people were coming up to me, they're like, how old are you? And they're like, you can't be six, like presenting yourself like that, <laughs> understanding the story like that. And, and wow, you know, yeah, I think the, the Christmas story could be boring, but you brought such life to it. And I was like, hey, hey, this is I cool. found my jam. I found my jam you know and, and and so I thought you know maybe I wanted to be an actress so uh, wow. you know theater was such an important part of my childhood like any whether it was in church whether it was in school whether yeah. it was an opportunity to do something in the community like I always found a way to do some some sort of um, theater all the way up until like my I think the last time I you know I really acted was uh, when I did a Midsummer Night's Dream uh, during my master's um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I do actually really miss miss that. I do miss that outlet because um, it, it's just such an amazing way to like connect with people, especially when they know a story and you can you can bring it to them in a new way and it gets them to rethink um, the way they look at things. Um, so 
yeah and then when I created my production company I was like you know what is it that I really want to do because I also do a lot on social media and I do you know I create multimedia content because also throughout my degrees the one thing that they talked about was that you know Africa is like the largest continent in landmass and has like one of the largest populations right Uh, second well only to Asia and yet we only, you know, o- occupy a small fraction of the internet. It was at 5% yeah. in like 2010. I don't even think it's gotten any better. Like it's still under 10%, um, yeah. which is ridiculous, right? And so I was like, even if I'm just, you know, posting, you know, on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, uh, I don't really do Snapchat anymore. And uh, TikTok is beyond me. I enjoy the videos, but like, I'm just like, I'm too lazy. Uh, <laughs> but like maybe on there and I had a blog for a while um, yeah. and things, you know, just trying to like put life out there, right? And yeah. and encouraging others to do so because that's what people in the rest of the world do. They, you know, they just put themselves out there, right? And mm-hmm. it's not about being arrogant and thinking, oh, everybody should know who I am. It's about, you know, how do I create to the, um, to the diversity of um, describing the African continent and its peoples and its culture. The yeah. more that is out there, the more that people realize that we're not a monolith, that we're not a country, that we're 54 countries with over yes. 2,000 ethnic groups and languages. Um, yeah. And that there is something unique about each and every one of us. And mm-hmm. uh, we are enough and we deserve a platform just like anyone else. Um, and then I love elephants. And so I just tacked on in Jovukazi on, uh, uh, and I was like, I'm the Jovukazi storyteller. That's, that's who I am. You know, that's I'm the queen. You, so, uh, you know, I'm the purple elephant. I'm the storyteller. So that's, yes. that's pretty much um, how I got to, um, how I got to calling myself that. Cause I was like, everything that I do, story is, is part of it in some way. Yeah. I love the the nativity story, um, you know, because then we can all look back and we can see, you know, um, you know, in some shape or form, Ngosa has been, you know, she's been telling us stories, you know, even at your personal life with your with your sister stories and so on and so forth. I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. And I love what you said, especially about how Africa, you know, you know, we're the second biggest population, maybe only second to, to Asia. Um, there's so many of us, but internet connectivity, you know, because can you imagine how much creativity is just, you know, hiding somewhere because, you know, X amount of kids don't have a mobile phone with internet, you know, like you said about TikTok that you don't like it's beyond you, but there's kids taking over TikTok for various reasons, just for dancing, just a few dances. Yeah, no, I love and, it. And, I love oh, it. I love it. Yeah. I enjoy. I enjoy the content that's being made. Absolutely yeah. enjoy it. And I'm like, you know what? Like, you know, it's, I think for for me, because TikTok is too close to my job, right? Uh-huh. For me, I'm like, I don't want to spend my free time doing my job, right? So I'm like really happy for, for everyone else. To do the videos and stuff, and it, it, the, the creativity is astounding. It's I yeah. love it. Like I'm doing it, you know. And and the fact that like it's you know these really short videos, and yet people can express themselves in such amazing ways. In like you know in just five seconds, I'm like wow, mm-hmm. guys, keep doing it. 
keep doing it. Yeah. And it works for Africans because it means you don't need as much data as you know you would need to create uh, something in a longer form. I, I, I you know, I think TikTok is is really a a game changer. And uh, get on it, people. Get on it if you can. Don't be lazy like me. <laughs> You can't, you can't see me, but I, I'm nodding and like agreeing and like, you know, giving thumbs up to everything that you're saying. But anywho, let me um, um, ask you, um, many of us know you, I mean, you've already touched on it already a little bit. We know you as a filmmaker, you know, via your work on A-Team, filmmaking isn't, you know, like the go-to career that most people would choose. And, um, you know, more so women, because I think, I, I mean, not personally, but I think I can count. I, I know maybe five or four or five or six Zambian women working in film. Um, so, you, you know, why why did you choose film? I mean, it's pretty obvious. You've already told us you were, you were already telling stories from when you were young, but you could have decided to be just a communications director at some corporate firm and just do the monthly reports and the in-company comms, but you stuck with making film and set up your film production company. Why? Why film? Um, Film, because film was such an important part of, uh, particularly my adolescence. Um, For me, like film was a way to tap into emotions that I would find difficult to um, to sort of dredge up. Like I was, because because I, you know, I, I, I grew up back and forth. I was constantly in and out of places. Friends would come, friends would go. And then, you know, my teenagers were basically sp- spent in, in England. And only now am I starting to process like some of the stuff because back in the day, you know, you were told like, you know, when they go low, you go high. Was that like Obama, like Michelle, the, the Michelle Obama sort of mantra where it was like, you know, just prove yourself with black excellence and everything will be fine. And what millennials are finding in in so many different ways is that like, you can be as excellent as you can be, you can do everything right. And yet the world is just shafting us left, right and center, right? Yeah. And so there were so many things that like, you know, that I, I didn't even know how to articulate or how to process, but I was just told that, you know what, you're privileged, um, you know, you, you get to go to school in, in, in England and then, you know, off to the States and everything and stuff. And so every, there would be these things that would happen. It would be like, no, just brush it off and keep going. But with film, yeah. I'd be able to like start to like process some of these things. And I was like, film is just such a powerful tool. And then also when, when you meet people from other places and you've watched the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. There's just such a connection that can be found. And I was like, you know, if I can do that with film, like you can like, you can break down so many stereotypes and barriers that people have towards Africa, you know, just, mm-hmm. from, a, uh, just from a film. And then also to, you know, to be a filmmaker, particularly a documentary filmmaker, I didn't think I would be a documentary filmmaker. I thought that the, telling the story of the Zambian national football team would be a one-off because yeah. it was important to talk to the people while they were still alive because, you know, there's that, you know, there's that saying all across the continent when an African elder dies, you know, a, a li- it's like a library burning down. Um, yeah. You know, and so I was like, I don't want that to happen. I want the people who experienced it and the people who are still here who can connect to 1993 to really tell the story so that people can really understand why this is such an important part of who we are as a people as Zambians. Um, uh-huh. And then I just fell in love with the medium because I was like, you know what, there was something powerful about just hearing 
from people who look like you, who have the same experience as you, who come from where you come from. Uh-huh. And then when the film and when when the film went around the world, it just solidified that. I mean, the German audience reacted exactly the same way as the Zambian audience, laughing oh, at the man. same points, crying at the same points, gasping yeah. at the same points. I was like, eh, eh, am I in Germany or am am I in Lusaka? <laughs> like, I it was so confusing, you know, like for people to make space for it to like show during the Cannes Film Festival and to really rally you know it didn't go through the normal challenge the, the channels right the mayor was just like we will find you a slot we are putting it there because oh, wow. of, of the power of the story right yeah. and just and then also that reflecting back to zambians i you know i don't like that we do look outwards a lot for validation but at the yeah. same time also sometimes when we think we are not good enough i'll be like look at all these people lapping up your story thinking you're amazing here we are thinking that we're nothing right yeah like yeah. guys we already have it in us the the team shows that all the time that we have like such potential and when we tap into that we can do really amazing things that's not from the outside so the people from the outside aren't aren't reacting to something that they're creating they're mm-hmm. reacting to something we've already created that already exists like yes. guys <laughs> you know um yeah. so seeing that power and then doing the same you know traveling around the country and um, doing the program and then you know trying to continue to do that in 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 different ways just whether it's you know documenting a trip on uh, on on Instagram or you know doing a little thread about uh, you know something to do with Zambia like just realizing that like documenting can yeah. really um it can really have such a profound effect you know you think a tweet doesn't mean anything all of a sudden you know people are retweeting it and they're replying and they're sharing um you know such such amazing stuff and you're just like wow wow yeah. you know like even in a tweet like a tiny little story you can you know create such a ripple effect and and you can be exposed and learn and grow um you know from such a tiny little kernel you know and and uh, it, it it amazes me i'm uh, I'm, i'm such a dork <laughs> i know i know it never ceases to amaze me like it just gets me so excited yeah <laughs> i love it i love it no no it, it's important for us to to hear you say this you know because um that's why i'm not interjecting i'm just here nodding and agreeing because i think it's it's important for you to share this you know because i i don't know how you know yes okay you 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 um you've already talked about a team and i've just asked you why film and i love for example the personal connection so just you know keep keep sharing and and don't say that you are such a nerd or whatever no, oh, no. i love it a blurred it's it, it, i mean look at me i collected degrees i'm i'm here like getting all excited about like random things like that's my superpower like i'm i'm not ashamed of i'm not ashamed about it at all um but yes. i i think you know just to also touch on what you were saying about like not many women doing it um yeah one i'm on the far extreme because i'm an independent producer which is extremely extremely hard right and i do mm-hmm. know that like i have pushed my privilege to the hilt right i have like you know invested everything that i have and you know basically lived like a hermit and on a very very lean budget at this point in time 
um, because yeah. I put everything into this because I was like, the most important thing is documenting. And, you know, this will live forever. And so it will always be worth it. Um, yeah. uh, and so people are always like, why haven't we seen so much from you? I'm like, well, because, you know, the, the, you know, when I first started, like everyone was like, well, you haven't done anything. I have done things and I've done things in a way that people didn't think could be done. And then that yeah. sort of upset people. Right. Yeah. Zambians like are so afraid of success. Right. Or they think I'm a millionaire. But I'm like, excuse me, I make documentary films. How do I become a millionaire like that? But anyway, uh, <laughs> and so, it's not Justice League, ladies and gentlemen. OK, right. <laughs> uh, you know, like film is a film and media are naturally collaborative. And so if you yeah. don't have the support of the people around you, it's really difficult. So it's slow going, you know, uh, yeah. you know, things could happen any minute. Um, and so I just keep going every day. Um, and then also the reason why you don't see a lot of women is because just like with the industry all around the world, like we have a Me Too problem. We have a Me Too problem in Zambia as a, as a culture as a whole. You know, we've seen in the last couple of years, like just over and over again, like all of this sexual abuse and misconduct that is coming from like the, the most randomest of places. And they're like, how is this happening? But it's been yeah. happening for a while. It's just things, you know, people have the tools to be able to expose it. Um, uh, a lot more and so you know um, it's hard and have I been sexually harassed yes multiple times when you know thinking I'm meeting with someone and they, 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 they're being serious about collaborating and you know financing yeah. something like of course it comes with a caveat and I'm like uh, no um, you know I, when I was you know shooting today with Zamtel the cameraman was upset that I was leading everything um, and so decided he would try and sexually dominate me, um, would say the most inappropriate things. And then when I reported him, he got really angry and I've never been so scared in my life. And I was out in, you know, out in Zambia, like without any family or friends around. And literally yeah. was like, oh, my God, am I going to live to see another day? This man looks like he's going to kill me. And luckily, somebody recognized me, like a police officer recognized me. And, yeah. you know, told the man to, like, calm down. And if he didn't calm down, um, you know, he was going to have to take him in. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just like, hey. And the thing is, I'm lucky, right? It's, yeah. you know, I've, I've never been, I've never been physically abused. It's never gotten to that point. Um, yeah. You know, but like, uh, you know, it's, it's gotten, it's gotten close. And I'm that person who doesn't back down. I'm the person who is like, no, no. No, and then I do whatever I possibly can to get myself safe as quickly as possible. As possible but yeah. you know, but that you know, I still don't. You know, I still don't take that for granted. That just happened to be how the scenario happened. But like, yeah. you know, it, I I know very well, like that at any point, you know, my luck could run out. You know, like yeah. like anyone. You know, which uh, which is which is sad. <laughs> to be quite honest and so yes. you do not see me around so much and I know for a fact it's because I am known as a difficult woman and what they mean by difficult woman is one I don't put out so you're not going to get anything I don't even flirt right yeah, yeah. even though like, you know I, I I I don't I don't I don't even try and toe the line like I'm not going to give you anything at all yeah, yeah. for you to and for you to to think that you can then whatever yeah. yeah even like on on social media like when people slide into my dms i will be like please leave me <laughs> like yeah. that was not that was not for you like that was yeah. not for you but no yeah. if i tweet or respond to anything and stuff 
or whatever, it's about like the tweet itself or I find it funny or like whatever. Or if I've liked something, I'm just like, it, it doesn't mean that I want you to slide into my DM. Please stay out of my DM. Stay out of my DM. <laughs> I mean, okay, you've raised, um, you know, the, the aspect about women, you know, it's good that it's it's come from you, that you said it, you know, because of the, of the Me Too movement and there are tools now. And more and you know there are more and more ways to um, to report it or talk about it. Um, thanks for sharing your experience uh, while working on the Zantel project. Very brave of you, you know, to to come out to report the person and you know you were on your own. Um, and um, you know I worry I worry about younger women who are not as confident as you or as traveled as you or as articulate as you, you know, um, if they find themselves yeah. in situations like this. And that's what, you know, it's, it's um, this part of, of the interview is really, really important. And I, I'm going to try and emphasize that more people listen. Um, but thank you. Thank you for your honesty and for sharing your experience. Okay. Um, uh, no, I, for me, like, honestly, like, cause a lot of people like I'm, uh, the, 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 sometimes there's shame and sometimes you think oh what did I do or what did I uh, did I not do and for a long time you know like I had PTSD from the whole experience um to the point where like a male designer like was trying to measure me and like yeah. I just couldn't let him go anywhere near me because I was just like oh uh, no uh, uh. Uh, so it you know I even sharing the story I you know it's not like I was able to share it immediately it took years for me to be able to just sort of process all these different things and then realize that like I, you know, I have the privilege of being able to share. And also that yeah. like, I don't, you know, I, you know, I, I have gotten over that, um, I've gotten over that potential shame. And then also just um, having the opportunity to have um, been a part of media efforts to sort of start conversations um, around um, sexual reproductive health and sexual abuse and sexual harassment and sexual assault. Um, yeah. It just made me think, you know, I really do need uh, to do that. And also traveling around the country, you see things, right? And I remember yes. when, when I would see them, I would think I'm just like a dirty person. Like, I, why would I go to worst case scenario? Why would I think that, you know, these things are going on? But then on yeah. one of my trips, we went to go visit Chief Mumene, um, you know, in Northwestern province. And then mm -hmm. on the way back, he was like, oh, can you take, uh, you know, can you take this young one back to Sowezi, um, you know, uh, so that she can then get the bus to school. And yeah. uh, when she got into the car, she sat, we were sitting in the back and she was sitting in the middle. And, you know, there was a lovely young man, uh, you know, sitting, um, you know, uh, on, uh, on, on one side and I was sitting on the other side but she pushed herself so close to me and yeah. she turned to me and she said don't let them drop you off first and I realized in that moment that like this has happened to her before where she'd probably been you know put in a car and told you know to, to get to Sowezi and like the 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 road from you know Chukmumene's village to Sowezi is is a is a dirt road and there's like nothing around. Someone can mm. just stop and do this and then drop drop you off at the end, right? And yeah. I was like, has this ever happened to her before? Like, yeah. has it happened to her friends? How many times has it happened if it has happened, right? And so yeah. I literally just said to the driver, like, we're dropping her off first, right? Because yeah. I was like, if she, you know, if 
if if that is what she needs and I can be there for her, like yeah. I will I do that. And I was like, never again will I question when I think, oh, as I as we're driving along, we just see some random man and woman pop out from the bushes. I mean, what are yeah. they doing in the like? <laughs> and is it middle of nowhere? No, yeah, you, no, in the middle of nowhere. Like guys, like. Yeah, but then also just also feeling very helpless because you're like even what do I do in that situation like how do I report like what do I do like <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very, right yeah. it's a very it's a very overwhelming thing and I understand that and I can see why people are like oh I just don't know how to deal with that but the more yeah. we hear about stuff and the things that people are doing like you know guys we, we as 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 a people we need to step up like this Zambia as a Christian nation business is is not working because people are doing some of the most heinous things possible while saying oh I'm a Christian or yes. while saying that we're a Christian nation and we need mm-hmm. we need to face up to that we need to have very very difficult conversations absolutely um, so, yeah, very passionate about that no, no, no. It's it's good. It's good. It's good. You know, then we're getting to know a different side to Ngosa, the storyteller, the filmmaker. She's she's also an activist. Yes. And this is this is what I love. This is what I love about about you and you being such a voice, you know, using your your work, your platform to voice these issues. Thank you for sitting down and listening to all of part one of this episode of Shimika Komigo, where I sat down and talked with Ngosa Chungu. In the course of this interview, there was some sensitive information raised relating to sexual harassment and GBV. I would like for you to take a moment to listen to who you can potentially contact if you feel that you need to. There's an organization based in Lusaka, Zambia, and they are called Sister Sister Foundation. They are a volunteer-based organization, and they are capable of helping you because they have a program that helps victims of SGBV, and they are starting a new program that focuses on healing. I will leave links for you to be able to contact them and reach out to them if you feel the need to, or if you know someone who needs a safe environment in order to um, get support. Thank you very much for listening to part one of this episode of Shimika Comigo. You are highly appreciated and I will catch you in part two. 1,000 awesome Zambians by La Zambiana. Tell your story. Own your story.